1: Hello
0: and welcome to Slamfire Radio. This is episode 149 for April 1st, 2016. I'm one of your hosts, Adrian Michaud. I'm another one, Trevor Furlot.
2: And I'm the other one, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yes, yeah,
1: on Kelly. yeah, Almost like you could say the other woman. Kind of. Oh. <laughs> no, I kid, I kid. Uh, well, before we get started with tonight's show, um, we have some kind of sad news that we want to share with the listeners uh it's my unfortunate duty to inform you all that uh our beloved Matthew McClatchy is no longer with the show he has really? yeah he has mm. decided to move on to other things he's busy with other projects he also um kind of stated that he had some concerns with the recent direction that the show was taking and it wasn't uh, Kind of what he not what his original vision for the show was. So he just decided that it wasn't wasn't fun for him anymore. So uh,
2: is it because I'm on the show? Because that's new,
1: right? That, that is <laughs> that is new. I don't. I mean, he didn't come out and say I'm leaving because of Kelly, but uh, you know, I don't. Uh, I don't. Uh-huh. There may there may be some concerns with the executive producer as well. Um, yeah you know, I'm not going to get into it in too much detail here. He just said that the way the show was going recently is not what he envisioned for the show when we started, quote-unquote, shooting the breeze. So, uh, yeah. Oh, well, you know, I mean, I'm sure maybe we'll get him back once in a while. But for now, he's he's moving on to other things. And so, of course, we wish him the best. And uh, we encourage the listeners to follow him on Facebook and subscribe to his YouTube channel. And
2: Wow. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah no, Am I, like... like-
2: Am I, like, Yoko Ono? Am I breaking up the Beatles here? (laughs) Happy birthday, Kelly. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Uh, Happy birthday. Matthew's gone. Oh, I
1: feel awful. Um, I'm I'm, I'm sure it's not really... It's probably Adriel's fault, to be perfectly honest. But uh, I don't want to throw Adriel. (laughs)
2: Oh, yeah. Well, you just did, but uh, thanks. me, too.
1: Well, I mean, in in theory, I don't
0: want to. Wait, no. Anyway. Yep. Normally, we'd ask Matthew what he's up to in
1: guns, but I guess we won't. So, Trevor, did you want to start? Sure. Um, I finished cleaning the Savage Lee Anfield that I bought a couple of weeks ago. I was waiting for um, my ballast stall order to come in, and they have a product called uh, Wipes. Imagine a wet wipe like the kind you get after a greasy fried chicken meal that you use to wipe your face with, mm-hmm. only it's soaked in oil. Don't use it after a greasy fried chicken meal. I know this now. <laughs> and... um yeah, but it, you know, it says right on the can, non-carcinogenic. So, hey, I thought it would help. It didn't. Um, but it did help on the uh, on the stock. So I take these wipes out of the package, and I was wiping down the stock. And It was I, filthy. It was filthy. My God, you're talking 73 years of God knows what built up on there. And I think the rifle never had the cosmoline properly removed from it, because when you take the action in the barrel out of the stock, it has like, this dried yellow coating on it that you can kind of chip off or scrape off with your fingernail if you want and i don't know if if that's, that's dried up Cosmoline or not but history that's history yeah i didn't find any nazi blood in the stock unfortunately but mm-hmm. um you know it, it, it,
2: maybe it's nazi Maybe it's
1: guess. yellow yeah it be <laughs> or, or no actually you know british teeth british gun <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this was an American uh, Enfield, so Hello. none of these jokes are, are, are applying. Are applicable. Yeah, thank you, applicable. Yeah. So anyway, I skipped the wipes because the wipes weren't doing it. They were getting oil onto the stock, and um, but just not removing as much dirt. So I switched to a kind of like an aggressive or abrasive paper towel, if you will. And that's the picture I posted on Facebook. And, I mean, it's just brown. I actually gave up. I got tired of it. I wiped on that thing for like three hours. And... I was still pulling dirt off. And I just said, you know what? Eh, just leave it. Yeah, just like my man cl- just like my man cave, it's clean enough. So I uh, just yeah, I just did that. I left it. And then uh the other thing I did this week was I bought another enfield. This time I picked up <laughs> a jungle carbine. So um and then I realized that I've been I don't know, I've been getting into into milsurps, which I just yeah, it wasn't for me, but I always admired Enfields. And I think I always admired Enfields because the Lee Enfield was poss- possibly the first large caliber centerfire rifle I ever fired because growing up my father had a sporterized Lee Enfield, a much older one, probably a SMLE because it has the um the the rear sight in front of the action. It doesn't have a peep sight on the back. So it's a much older World War One era Lee Enfield that was sporterized somewhere along the way. I haven't seen it in years. Now that I know a little bit about some Enfields because I've been doing a lot of research lately, I uh, I need to find an excuse to go visit them. Imagine that! I'm going to use a gun as an excuse to visit my own father. That's the kind of guy I am. And uh, I want to check out the markings and see if I can figure out what year it is exactly. So, so anyway. Um, Yeah. I think that's why I'm attracted to Enfields and I always wanted a long branch Enfield because that was the one that was made in Canada. So if I'm going to have an Enfield, I might as well have a Canadian Enfield. Then I come across this Savage and I'm like, well, that seems a little unusual and it was in good shape. The the bore in it is pristine. I don't know how, how much it was shot, but it certainly doesn't look like it was shot very much. Um, And because it was a Savage, I found that appealing. And then I thought, okay, I want a long branch. I want a jungle and, uh, Pierre Luke, buddy of mine and uh, fellow member of the Rescue's Gun Club, he's selling some guns to raise some money, and he had a jungle. So he came up the other night and left without his jungle. <laughs> so yeah. Um, now we talked about my other one, whether or not I should finish it or refinish it, restore it, you know, get get a and redo the wood or whatever. And we decided that I should just clean it, and leave it alone. This one has already been refinished. Oh. So yeah, somebody. Fair game. Huh? Yeah. yeah, fair game. That's right. All the bets are off. I didn't overpay. Um, I think I got it for a fair price. And um, uh, since it was already redone once, it's like it was varnished and it's really shiny. It's kind of yes. weird looking to have an Enfield that's shiny like a coffee table. So I'm going to uh, take it to my guy, Ranny, who redid my 3030 and my Savage Model uh, 99 and get him to redo the wood on it. And if possible, I may try and track down some new wood for it because there's a chip out of the stock and there's a chip out of the uh, upper hand guard. And the,
0: yeah. If and it's well, shiny. They might have put a, like, a polyurethane stain on it or something instead of uh, what they should have done, which was like a oil rub, right?
1: Yeah. It actually looks like a varnish because in a couple you know, when you see varnish that's scratched off,
2: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: it looks like a varnish. Hmm. But could yeah. uh, be wrong. Strip it down. Yep. And I might send the. Wow action and receiver way to get hot blued as well. There's a guy in New Brunswick now that's hot blueing guns.
2: Oh, really?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so what the hey? Might as well, if I'm going to redo it, try and make it look brand new. So
2: It's getting very wood-like in your safe.
1: <sighs> I, Kelly, I'm afraid <laughs> I'm afraid right now that there may actually be more rifles, not total guns because if you include my handguns, I only have one handgun with wood on it and that's my Smith & Wesson Model 29-244 Magnum. But I think rifles, there are more rifles with wood on them than plastic right now. I don't want to confirm it, so I'm not actually going to count them. But uh, <laughs> there's fur. Well, and you know what, Kelly? It's true. Uh, they're like they're still considered second-class citizens in the Furlot Savoy household. I actually have a safe on another floor that the wood guns reside in. Really? And the, yeah, and the black guns are upstairs in the man cave. So it's like they can't even ride the front of the bus up here. They're like, Yeah. I may be starting to push it. So let's move on. Um, <laughs> I joined another podcast again. I'm back to you doing podcast. Yeah. Um, I was chatting with Mike one day and he's like, yeah, so Jason's going to leave the show. And I'm like, oh, that's too bad. And he's like, uh, yeah, so we got a spot if you're interested. And it just kind of spun out of control. Next thing you know, I was on the uh, a member of the Reloading Podcast. So I've been on one. episode so far. Um, Mike understands my schedule, and so he doesn't expect me to be on every single solitary week, but it's a good time, and I'm learning lots and enjoying uh, hanging out with Jeremy and Jim and Mike, of course. So I'm going to try and be on as often as possible, Um, but you know, if it's a shooting event, or whether it's archery or guns, and I can choose to go to a shooting event or a podcast, I mean, hell, I've skipped this show because I needed a nap. I'm definitely going (laughs) to skip that show (laughs) because of a shooting event, so... Yeah, well, so cleaned a gun, bought a gun, joined the podcast.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm. How about not, you? Oh, sorry, Kelly, what?
2: i, I just just saying that, uh, you know, usually I listen to them on Sunday nights, but I might have to actually, you know, with both you and Jim on there, it's going to be a long podcast. So. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, I think that joke is funny. I'm not sure if Jim <laughs> thinks that joke is funny. Um,
2: I love listening to Jim. He's got such a great voice.
1: He does have a good podcast voice, yeah.
2: Yeah,
1: he does. Uh, and he's really good at getting to the point. Uh, Wait, no, no, that would be Jeremy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He's very knowledgeable.
2: He is extremely knowledgeable.
1: Yeah, he is. He's like, when it comes to casting, I listen to everything that Jim says. When it comes to precision reloading for long range, I definitely listen to everything Jeremy says. So what I'm actually going to do, in an interest of cutting down how much I talk on this show, I'm going to no longer talk about reloading stuff on this show. I'll save it all for that show. And I'll keep my regular and competition stuff for this show. Like when I was doing action shooting radio and Slamfire, I never talked it on on Slamfire. I kept all my action shooting talk for that show. So I'll uh, I'll do that now. Because I mean, not to brag, uh, but I do do enough for two shows <laughs> most weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So Adriel,
0: uh, let's see what I do. Well, I I got out to my parents' place, did a little bit of clay pigeon shooting. Uh, what else? Skeets, we call them skeets. Skeets, yeah, did some skeet shooting. Um, I don't know, yeah, I, I'm I'm starting to rethink uh, uh, doing the, the snow geese this year just because, I don't know, you know, I was uh, looking at some different diets that me and the wife are, are going to get into and I was thinking about uh, uh, trying some, maybe like a vegetarian diet for this year. So, just something to be a little bit more healthy and, and not eat so much fat and that kind of thing. So, like we're going to try uh, yep. try vegetarian for a year. So I I wouldn't really need to go out snow goose hunting. So I don't think I'm going to do that. And uh, I probably won't need to do any other uh, hunting this year. So I'll just do target practice and uh, still do the tree gun and all that kind of thing. But I think I'm going to be, you know, just trying to live a little bit healthier and that kind of thing, right? So, uh, okay. Um, hmm. I, Sounds good you-
2: to me. <laughs> I, I just have
1: one question. Are you going to change your name to the vegetarian gear guy? <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess
0: I'll just have to talk hypothetically about the guns. If
1: if you were to hunt with this thing. <laughs> okay. Right. What so it would you're do. giving up hunting and taking up vegetarianism. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, he's still shooting clays. Yeah. Right? Right. You need to eat them. So you can still, you know, shotguns and different yeah. things like that. You can test them out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll still, I'll still probably shoot some gophers with you guys when you come out. But huh. – I just won't eat any. That's I'll leave the pleasure of eating the gophers all up to you guys. I'm in. They taste like chicken. <laughs> God. Uh, Kelly, what about you?
2: I spent Sunday on the range. We saw, shot some challenges. Um, yeah. It's challenges for the other. For Which challenges am I doing, Trevor? <laughs> I'm doing the arm squirrel. Not arm squirrel. What's the other one?
1: There is only arm squirrel okay. project. <laughs> Ice water yeah. challenge and uh, – Yeah, the ice bucket challenge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it too. Um, yeah. I thought uh, – well,
0: Sophia no, Day.
2: I shot the arm squirrel challenges. Yeah, that's it. And then we also designed some new targets as well, something that we're going to test out for maple seed. So we shot those as well. And ta-ta-da, I got an early birthday present. Uh-huh. I, what I got was I got a Magpul stock for my 1022. Yes, you did. Oh, yes, awesome. I did.
1: I had an opportunity to trade my H uh, and K VP9 or SFP9 or whatever they call it in Canada, the VP9, for a completely tricked out 1022 and worth as much as my HK, and I almost jumped on it so that I could uh, buy the Magpul stock. Really? Yeah, but I didn't. But you didn't.
2: Okay. Um, so, the other thing that I did, well, I went on my other podcast and and hung out with uh, Tracy on that podcast. We talked about the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights. Miss Wilson. So that, yeah. So, that was awesome. And I actually am thinking about uh, doing some cowboy action. So, I went out and I tried that a little bit as well. So, it was awesome. Yep. Inspired by George. Inspired by George. Well, George, he let us try his revolvers and also his rifle, and that. So when we went down in, in, to see him in London, and it was, it was a lot of fun. So I'm excited about that. It means I can probably hang out with some other um, people that I know and uh, go to some competitions with them. You know. So yeah. Well, was, the,
0: the guns are one thing, but it's the period dress you're really after, right?
2: I, actually, yeah. Uh, we started shopping too. There's a place out in uh, Harrowsmith. Um, it's right across the street from SFRC, actually. It's this western place. and went in there and had a look around, and I got a cowboy hat, and I got some boots, and I got some spurs, actually, too. It was awesome. There you go. I. Ah! <laughs> You're not going anywhere with that, are you?
1: We have a, we have a, a uh, sexual harassment policy here at Slamfire Radio, and I'm going to abide by it and stay professional. <laughs> this time <laughs> so um oh, where are you gonna get time for all this
2: um well i figured i can actually instead of going usually we go once uh, a week to the range mm-hmm. either on the saturday or the sunday so now what we're going to have to do is actually so on the saturday we're going to do cowboy action and on the sunday we'll just uh, go and and do something else whether it be pistol or if it rifle so i've decided that you know maybe we can actually work in a couple more days of going to the range and not only that it's what what time is it now here it's seven fifteen. it's still light out so hey you can start going in evenings in that well as well now so black powder yeah. looks cool at night really yeah it's all sparky
1: okay. it's
0: yeah. all
2: sparky hmm we have a policy that it's at dusk we have to shut down so maybe we'll have to revisit that hmm but anyways, yeah, so maybe we can do it at nights and, you know, put another day in there on the weekend and that too. So that'd be awesome. Cool. Yeah, Cowboy action. There bang,
1: go. Bang. Oh, what's go. Oh, uh, sorry, Adriel, one more question. <coughs> what's your cowboy um, character's name going to be? Because, like, everybody has to have a name for their cowboy action. Have you thought of something yet?
2: Well, I haven't really thought of anything. I want something with classy in it. So I don't know. Cassie.
1: Classy Cassie.
2: Classy Cassie.
1: Hmm. I was going to go with Killer Kelly.
2: <laughs> Killer Kelly.
1: Killer Kelly Carlson. I, Classy Killy Kelly. Or Killie, never mind. <laughs> Easy for you to say.
2: Yeah, well, you're right. When we register with uh, SAS, you have to register your name, right?
1: Your alias.
2: My alias. So, Kelly. Mm, maybe actually the listeners can... can
1: come up with something there you go a contest where they yeah. win nothing like always <laughs> <laughs> Right in and help Kelly pick her cowboy action sass alias
2: yeah classy Kelly
1: sassy classy Kelly no mm-hmm. <laughs> that didn't sound much lame at all no <laughs> all right all right anything else in Gunsy? did
2: nope that's it all
0: right why don't we go on to uh, upcoming events uh, Trevor can you take this
1: first one There will be an RPAL course held in Camelton on the 1st, 2nd, and 3rd of April to register. Call the New Brunswick CFO at 1-800-731-4000. No, that's that's the um, Canadian Firearms Centre. I'm not going to actually put the direct line to the New Brunswick CFO's number on the air. (laughs) But if you want it, Facebook me and I'll give it to you. Uh, (laughs) Thanks to Mark for sending that in. The first annual, oh, am I going to keep going here, or do you want somebody else to do one?
0: I'll take this next one. All right. The first annual Ronnie Degroot Rockout with your Glockout Steel Challenge will be on June 4th,
1: 2016.
0: No SKSs. <laughs> no SKSs on the steel. Yeah, it's the Glock the Glockout, not the SKS out Steel That's right. Challenge. Kelly, did you want to take the next one?
2: Sure. The sixth annual uh, charity shoot in support of Soldier On is going to be taking place on June 25th. In Kingston, Ontario. And it's going to be at the Brockville District Fish and Game Club. And if you're interested, you can contact New Shooter Canada or check out the event page. And just an FYI, we have officially closed out the IPSC portion of the event. It, today was the last day for that. So,
1: cool. just saying. Um, and that was going to be on the Sunday, right? Yeah.
2: yeah. So, the uh, this Saturday is still wide open. You can... Uh, you can register for that. And also, we have a couple of spots uh, still for RJ's uh, on Handgun Fundamental that's on the Friday as well. Just a few left, though. That's selling out as well.
1: I wish. Okay. i got to be stuck in a meeting. Any updates, Kelly, on um, any new sponsors that have come on board? Or um, has the uh, – what What I'm getting a lot of questions about is um, – Course Fire? Yeah. Yeah. What are we actually going to be doing?
2: Well, we have pretty much worked that out. Um but
1: you don't have to announce it here if it's you know if Yeah. It's, but it's it's been decided.
2: Yeah, it's pretty much worked out. Cool. And and that um just waiting for everybody to give us the AOK for it.
1: Can you suggest if this current course of fire that you have worked out is a go, what firearms people should bring?
2: Sure. They're gonna have to bring a pistol because we are going to have a pistol portion.
1: No uh, right dot compensated twenty twos though, right? <laughs>
2: I don't think that's very fair, but hey. um, You don't think
1: it's fair to discriminate, or you don't think it's fair to use a red dot compensated 22.
2: I don't think it's fair to use a red dot compensated 22. But see, that's why we get along
1: so well. It's all your common sense and wisdom sets you apart.
2: Hey, so it's a pistol, it's any caliber. Uh, Bring it. Uh, We're also going to be doing something from a 50 at the 50 yard as well. It's a rifle, so you bring either a uh, 22. Or you can bring a center fire. And then we have the 100 yard as well. Again, it's rifle. And so it's either if you want to shoot a 22 at the 100, that's fine too. Um, or just you you center fire.
1: Do you know mm-hmm. if these distances will be shot in any particular position? Is it- yeah. Oh, okay.
2: Okay. So we are going to get you to do. Mainly standing uh, for the 100-yard.
1: All right. Tact 21 is staying home.
2: And (laughs) (laughs) we might change that. Um, The 50, you're going to be doing either seated, um, prone, or standing. And then, pistol, you're actually going to be standing.
1: Um, Okay. Mm. I, I might bring my Grant. Okay. I want to bring something different.
2: So, we have a 240 yard sponsored shoot as well.
1: What do you mean sponsored shoot?
2: It means that one of our sponsors, SFRC, is bringing the gun. Oh. So it is going to be a browning M1919.
1: Oh my God. Oh
2: <laughs> Are you okay?
1: I just messed myself.
2: <laughs> yeah. <sighs> So yeah, I've been trying to work that out with him, and it's been confirmed. So.
1: So we shoot that gun at 240 yards. Yep. And did we win something, or we just get to
2: it's going get to be, dirty and shoot it? It's you, you don't win anything for it. It's going to be part of the fundraising part of it. So. Oh,
1: kind of like the year we had the 50 caliber charity shoot. Yes. Right. You paid some money. You shot a Desert Eagle. You paid some money. You shot a 50 BMG. You paid some money. You shot a Beowulf. Right. Awesome.
2: So yeah. Come on by and and you can shoot, yeah, a machine gun.
0: Awesome, yes, please. <laughs> All right, oh, I'll take this next one. Uh, the next one here we've got is Got Your Six. It's a wounded warrior charity shoot. It's being held at the Edson Fish and Game One Mile Range in Alberta from July sixteenth to seventeenth. Uh, you can go to gotyoursixshoot.com dot com for more info, but the registration is now closed. They've uh, they've filled it up. So, oh really? If you're hoping, They still a, still have a waiting list there though.
1: Uh, Trevor, did you want to take the next one? Um, yes. The game one mile range in Alberta. No, that's part of the... What? <laughs> oh, I'm looking for the hash marks. I'm filling stripper clips and ammo. Um, the Rocky Mountain. Thank you. Rocky Mountain 300 is coming up in June. Watch here for... what? Where's here? Where, what does watch here mean?
2: <laughs> I got tripped up on that last time. Who too. put
1: this in, Angel? Uh, <laughs> Go to their website for the 300 plus rounds in five stages stage layout okay so visit their website at rocky mountain 300.weebly.com/stages.html to check out the stages course of the fire what 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 is what, is, what even is this what i know it is a shoot um <coughs> what 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 is this is this action shooting what is this You've got the information we've got. Okay. <laughs> Great. So we're promoting something in our upcoming events that we didn't bother to look at. This could be like some kind of inappropriate thing. And now I really hope that it is because it's scandalous.
2: 300 <laughs> rounds in five stages.
1: Yep. All right. There you go. Yes. And that's why it's
2: called the Rocky Mountain 300. I'm assuming right. it's in the Rocky Mountains.
1: Then <laughs> yeah. in the Southern New Brunswick, 250 <laughs> is 250 rounds. That much I was able to put together. <laughs>
0: All right, I'll take the next piece here. The next uh, piece is news. Uh, North Silva is announcing the introduction of the SKS-47. The SKS-47 is a chassis system that incorporates an SKS rifle with a modern chassis design made to have the appearance and some of the functions of the AK series of rifles. The chassis system is precisely machined for a tight overall fit to enhance the accuracy of the SKS and for an overall rock-solid feel. The system will allow... <laughs> just Sorry. wait Wait for your guffaws until the end, Trevor. Okay. The system will allow the user to use actual AK-47 magazines with his rifle. Uh, like an AK, the magazines will be rock and lock. The SKS-47 will have classic wood AK-style stock and pistol grip, other stock options and accessories will be available in the future. And yes, Trevor, you can pre-order now.
1: This is worse than TAPCO. <laughs> this is worse than ATI. This is garbage. It's 800 bucks. No. If I have $800 to spend, I'm going to buy an AR. I'm not going to take a goddamn $200 SKS and try and make it look like another piece of junk rifle. What is wrong with these people? Or oh, you'd get oh, an 858. Oh, it takes AK mags. Oh, wow. A whopping five rounds of pinned AK mag. Have you seen a lot of AK mags in the wild here in Canada, kids? Have you? No, you haven't? We're just going to take a, a, a magazine from a rifle that we're not even supposed to have.
2: <sighs> How you doing there? you Okay. <laughs>
1: I just, you know, it's like this Ryan Pierce guy uh, that who's trying to f- get people to give him money on Facebook so he can develop his sh- crappy SKS products. I want to put a, uh, a Magpul PRS stock on an SKS, but I can't afford it. Will you pay for my research and development, please? No, Ryan, I won't. SKS is a garbage, and they shouldn't have $250 Magpul stocks on them or $850 wannabe AK-47 conversion kits. <laughs> <laughs>
2: How you doing? It's not funny! <laughs> <laughs>
1: stuff
0: tries to you can take your stuff well that keeps loved, me up at night. You can take your well loved SKS and make it look really
1: cool. <sighs> Assuming you think that an AK 47 looks really cool.
0: <sighs> I, th- I think the real competitors to this thing in, in, in our market would be the CZ uh, 858
1: and the Type 81 when it comes in. You know what? And why even bother getting a Type 81 when you can get the CZ 858 or better yet, the CSA VZ 58? If you want to have a banana clip, seven point six two, sorry, seven sixty two, fed rifle, then then get the get the get the superior one. Get the CSA VZ fifty eight. You're going to buy a Norinco Type eighty one for a thousand bucks, or you're going to buy a VZ fifty eight for a thousand bucks. Give your head a shake. What's wrong with these people? <sighs> okay, I'm good now. You're I'll good? send you the the pre order link uh, after the show. No, please don't. <laughs> I really no. I'm okay.
0: Uh, Trevor, did you want to read the next one? Maybe it'll lower your blood temperature there. What's blood the next pressure. one?
1: The one from? Jason Philp. Okay. It's uh, from CBC News website. Calgary police seize AK-47 rifle drugs in an investigation. A fully automatic assault rifle was among the items police seized during a drug investigation in Calgary last week. The joint investigation between city police and Alberta law enforcement response teams culminated March 22nd when they carried out two search warrants in Kensington and Panorama Hills. Investigators found an AK-47 with 48 rounds of ammunition, a whopping 48. I've got like 50 times that in front of me right now. Um, more than 23000 in cash, that I don't have, and $57,000 in cocaine. Ooh, now it's a party, methamphetamine and heroin. Quote, clearly a firearm like this in the hands of a suspected drug dealer is a considerable public safety risk. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no don't. Uh,
0: they still say suspected, eh? <laughs>
1: like, yeah. They're yeah. sitting
0: in front of all this Coke and it's like, seven
1: thousand dollars that's a shoebox <laughs> full of Coke, come on. Uh, said Alert Staff Sergeant Heath Hurley. Quote, guns are used in the drug traffic trade for protection, intimidation and retaliation. Jason Jason Phillips comment: Does it seem weird to have an AK forty seven and only forty eight <laughs> rounds of ammo? My thoughts exactly, Jay. <laughs>
0: <They> <laughs> All sell the money this was stuff by the crate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> What's that? <laughs> they sell it. They
0: sell ammo for that thing for, by the crate. Why would by you have forty eight yeah. rounds? <laughs> oh man, too funny. Yeah. yeah yes. Well, yeah. I, I looked at the pictures. It was it 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 was a legit AK forty seven. It wasn't. Uh, Something that they had misidentified. So,
1: yeah. Did the selector have three, three notches? Oh, Could you I tell? not look that close. All right. No. I just no. wonder if it was an actual automatic AK. I mean, there are AKs in Canada. Let's not kid ourselves. They were here before the laws changed and some of them stayed. So, yeah. Yeah. Not everyone followed the, the rule of law. We call them criminals. Yep.
2: No. <laughs>
1: it's true. And guess what, Kelly? What? They don't follow gun laws.
2: No. <laughs> it's
1: true. <laughs> All right. All right, let's get
0: on to our main topic here. And now we'd like to welcome to the show Ryan Stacey. Ryan, welcome.
3: Hey, Adriel. How you doing?
0: It is Stacey, right?
3: Yep. You bet. Okay,
0: good. Just wanted to make sure Hello. I was getting that part good. That's um, yeah, so,
3: kind of a weird spelling.
0: Yeah. Um, you're, uh, you're a surface conditions uh, shooter. What, uh, uh, what kind of different uh, awards or uh, competitions have you won?
3: Well... Um I started out shooting a uh, service rifle in B.C. here at our provincial matches. And uh, over the years, I think I've won the provincial championship 17 times. <laughs> um, Ow. I think it's 17. I don't know. I kind of lost track and stopped counting, which sounds bad, but you kind of do. Is um, that,
1: um, well, we know another guy who shoots service conditions. Anybody know how many times he's won the Ontario Provincials? <laughs> hmm. Has he? I don't I, know. 17. I'm just curious. Okay.
3: Sorry, Ryan. Anyway,
1: is a lot, yeah. That is a lot, yeah. Have yeah, you shot on different. the Nationals?
3: I have. I've shot at Connaught uh, with the Army and uh, on the civvy side about 11 or 12 times. And uh, 2014 and 2015, I am actually the Canadian champ. Wow.
2: Aren't, aren't you also the Canadian record holder as well for the highest score?
3: I am. Actually, I shot the highest... Uh, i guess it's the highest match ever um i hold the the highest one to 12 the service conditions kind of go by this old set of matches called the one to 12 classic and uh they they're shot at 200 300 and 500 and it's out of 600 points altogether and i hold the record at uh, 585 uh so
0: points you're pretty six. much the best at service service rifle then um, so you're the, you're the, absolutely the best person to talk to on this. Now, j- just, uh, I just from your perspective, I can't,
1: sorry, Adriel, I, c- I can't think of anybody better to come on to actually explain what this sport is all about. Yeah, well, oh.
0: definitely the best. Uh, in, 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 your words, what would you, how would you describe service conditions, rifle
3: Service service conditions? Uh, uh, well, service rifle is a, it's a pretty dynamic sport. It's a lot different than what we have or what they have in the U S the U S stuff is a little more static, uh, in Canada. Um, we shoot at uh, smaller targets. We shoot at uh, targets that are fleeting. They're, they're a lot quicker exposures. Uh, we have faster rapid fire. And we also have uh, fire and movement, which they don't have down there. So you're going to have to run and then do some shooting and then possibly run some more and then shoot again. I have a uh, question. So. Ryan, <laughs> I, got
1: a quick, I got a quick question about that. Yep. Every, like Everyone is on the range at the same time, moving at the same time, and shooting at the same time. Is that correct?
3: Yep, you bet.
1: So... Do you ever? How do you avoid a situation where uh, you're running faster than me, but I start shooting before you? Or is there line officers that make sure that everybody arrives at the shooting line at the same time and then gives a, a, a command to fire? Uh,
3: no, no. So, say for example, you're running from five hundred to four hundred to shoot at four hundred. Whoa, you run uh, hundred meters? You run five hundred meters actually Uh-oh. in one of them. so <laughs> half a cave. Uh, yeah. So, uh, basically what happens is you can run at whatever speed you want. When you get to the line, uh, you either, A, may have to wait for the targets to come up or B, the targets are already up and you can smoke your shots off however fast you want. Uh, and then the slower people like myself get there and the targets are still there within the time limit. So, uh, I get to shoot my sh- shots as well. So, so it's a fixed, uh,
1: it's a fixed shooting position then, correct?
3: Yeah, you betcha. It's a hundred meter mounts basically that we work in.
1: Oh, okay, so you can you can get there on your own time. I mean, you get there if the target's still up, have at her.
3: You betcha. Yeah, you'll see it a lot with the army guys, the infantry guys. They sprint there and then they shoot. And then uh, old farts like me, we just sort of jog down and and uh, make sure that we get our hits. Okay, it's uh, good to know
1: you can jog and still be competitive. I'm liking sure this. Sure can. All right, yep. good. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: Slow but sure. Yeah. You've uh, you've mentioned military a couple times as service service conditions a, a, a military derived sport.
3: Yeah, actually, uh, most of the target shooting in Canada uh, came from military service rifle shooting. Even the target rifle guys, as much as they don't want to admit it, were spawned <laughs> from military shooting <laughs> back in the uh, late 1800s, early 1900s. Wait, so, is it,
1: isn't there a precision component to service conditions? Like, there's service conditions, service rifle, CQB, and precision, or am I wrong? Pistol well pistol,
3: too. Yeah, if you look at the overall thing in Canada... Uh, the ones that are run by the provincial and the uh, national uh, associations like the DCRA are pretty much only pistol, uh, precision rifle, and service rifle. CQB is kind of a new thing that's snuck in there, and it's 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 doing very, very well. And I wouldn't be surprised if it gets added at some point uh, to the national uh, association matches. But no. so far right now, it's just pistol, uh, sniper, and uh, service rifle. Is is
1: uh, CQB gaining in popularity because it's more accessible? in that, uh, you know, you can just use plinking 55 grain ammo because the distances are shorter and you can use red dots because the distances are shorter. Would you say that's why it's growing in popularity or is there another reason?
3: I think there's a few different reasons. Probably one of them is definitely what you're, you're saying. You can show up with pretty much any rifle and any ammo and be competitive. Uh, but the other thing, too, that I've found is that um, when you're shooting shorter distances, it's a lot easier on your ego. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, when you're shooting 500 meters and you're missing a four foot target frame at 500 meters, it tends to crush a lot of people. Um, yeah, or you don't shoot a good score. Never and, mind missing the missing the target frame. So I think a lot of people are more worried about shooting actual service conditions than they should be. It's it's not that difficult, really.
1: It's just a question of preparing for it. I think the ego um, component you're talking about it can be found in a couple of different sports. Target archery, for example, everybody shoots indoor 3D archery and indoor target archery because it's 18 meters for target archery in a a gymnasium. And around here, we don't shoot past 30 yards indoors for 3D archery. But when you go outside and there's an elk sitting out in the middle of a field and you can't tell if it's 45 yards or 65 yards or 60 yards rather, and knowing the difference is going to determine whether or not you lose a $20 arrow into the grass. Yep. It's intimidating. So, And then outdoor target archery used to be shot at 90 meters. Is that a right? lot of people, Yeah, a lot of people weren't crazy about launching an arrow the length of a soccer field.
3: Yeah, no kidding. I I don't see why.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> well, those arrows only cost $45 each. Yeah, no so, kidding. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can
1: definitely see why um, it would be less intimidating to jump in the CQB.
3: I think uh, out west here, at least anyway, we're trying to sort of segue people from uh, CQB shooting into the service rifle shooting because it is really the, the next natural, logical step. Um, but it's just a matter of getting people out onto the bigger ranges to actually see that, hey, yeah, you can make hits at 300 and 500 meters with a 14-inch gun, no problem. Uh, you know, And most people that shoot the CQB, to be quite honest with you, haven't shot probably further than 100 or maybe 200 meters ever. Mm -hmm. so it's it it can be a little intimidating to get them out and when they do come out occasionally you see guys that don't shoot very well and they try to compare themselves to get you know guys that have been doing it for a long time and they're you know very practiced in it and it kind of it kind of sucks to compare your results to somebody that's been on the national team you know seven or eight times so Definitely. Yeah, that's
1: that's the nature of the sport. There's not enough of us to have an amateur league and a professional league. Are, right. you know. I mean, it's not like in hockey where you show up to play and Sidney Crosby steps on the ice and you're playing against him. It's you know when it comes to archery or service conditions or IPSC, uh if you go to the worlds, well, you're at the worlds with the best, and that's yeah. just the way it is.
3: Yeah, you betcha.
2: So at the it's national, the sorry, at the national level, do you have a tyro division as well, or is it just? Uh yeah,
3: yeah, there is a, there we'll
1: is a Tyro. That's what is it, Award. What, sorry, new shooter Kelly. <laughs> you should know better to throw terminology that nobody's ever heard of. <laughs> what, what does that word even mean?
2: Well, when you're talking about new shooters and people that have been shooting for quite a while, Tyro I, is somebody I'm who's... am pretty
1: sure I was talking to
3: Ryan just now. Oh, sure.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: so, going in a direction I never expected. Just because it's your birthday. <laughs> nice. Nice. Okay, so that's to me Tyro, yeah. Uh, The word Tyro is basically for a a newer shooter that hasn't shot uh, that set of matches before. And in Service Rifle, um, you're a Tyro until you shoot a national uh, match. Uh, You're a DCRA Tyro until you shoot the national matches, basically. (laughs) You can be a senior in your province, and as soon as you come to nationals, you're back as a Tyro again until you shoot a national match, and then you're a senior.
1: Awesome.
0: Yeah. Which uh, which provinces oh, send the most uh, service rifle shooters? Because I mean, it, it seems to me that it would be um, regionally popular, right? Like you get these pockets of, of really competitive uh, uh, people that shoot together. So, which which provinces have you seen represented really well at the nationals? Uh,
3: there's three provinces. Well, I guess I could I could lump Quebec in there too because they send quite a few guys to the nationals as well. But uh, BC and uh, New Brunswick are probably the two biggest ones. Really? Really? Yep. There's service. And already? then uh well yeah, there's there is, but it's military oriented. Uh a lot of the guys that shoot service rifle are from the the army regiments. Oh, can in, the greasy civvies go out and play with the boys engaged? I now? believe they can, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Really? I think they can. Yeah. At the certain certain matches and whatnot. How many how many
1: countries allow civilians to take semi auto firearms onto a military base?
3: <laughs> Ours. Not too many. Us in <laughs> the US, and that's probably about it, I would think. Huh. Yeah, you bet. But, so you uh, mentioned uh, B.C. and New Brunswick? Yeah, B.C., I mean, we have a pretty healthy program out here. Uh, the BCRAs kept things up and running for a long time, even when we went through the crap years where, you know, guns were frowned upon and all that kind of stuff. They really kept it going. And, uh, I mean, at our provincial championships, between the military and the civvies, you're probably looking at, at the low end 60 people and at the high end 90 people. So it's it's pretty healthy out here. And then uh, the army teams that go out to Ontario are usually uh, pretty much all the shooters that shoot at the provincial kind mm-hmm. of level. At least they are from BC, anyway. Yeah, uh, but Ontario has Ontario has healthy uh, service rifle program there too. Yeah, they've got a really good
0: range out there. I mean, we do um, we do service rifle at my range, and we'll get maybe fifty shooters out uh, to a match. But they're not. Uh, most of them aren't nationally competitive, right?
1: No, still. 50, 50 people coming out for any kind of shooting event; mm-hmm. those are strong numbers. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, it's
0: really appro- like service rifle is really approachable. You can uh, you can take your your rifle and and some ammo and and go shoot a uh, a, a couple of stages really quickly and be done in a, a very short period of time, right?
1: Well, can we can we talk about that? Can we talk about the the guns? What kind of guns are used? What kind of ammo? And then yeah. the stages. Sure. Yep.
3: Yeah. As far as a service rifle that I shoot goes, we have. Uh a variety of matches but they're all shot at 100 meter increments so uh, there's matches at 200 300 400 and 500 we never really go past 500 although I have done occasionally in places like Bisley and whatnot but uh 500 is usually the limit the matches are sort of divided up into four different categories there's a deliberate fire match which is a slow fire uh belly shooting uh each shot is pulled and marked uh kind of match um then the next one after that is usually a snapshoot, which is shot on a figure twelve on a stick.
1: What's a figure twelve?
3: Uh, figure twelve is a military uh, half man target. You've probably seen them before, but they're kinda I have them.
1: The the yeah. Huns head kinda it looks know, like a looks like a World War II
3: Russian guy. Yeah. Charging Russian kind of thing basically. So we shoot those. It's a half version of that. It's operated by the person in the butt, so you get exposures uh varied in time depending on which match it is that you're shooting. Um, so the targets go up and come down quite quickly. Um, sometimes you're in a position and sometimes you're prone, so it can be pretty challenging in that area. Um, and then after that, we shoot a uh, rapid fire match, uh, which is usually shot on two figure 11s, which is the bigger version of that figure 12 target. It's the full length sized, uh, target. And, uh, those are generally 30 seconds long and you have, uh, 30 seconds to fire five shots on one target, change your mag and fire five shots on the other. Again, that can be from a position or from prone, depending on the distance you're at. And then the uh, the last type of match that we alluded to earlier was the fire and movement match, where you're going to run and shoot and run and shoot, run some more. <laughs> and you
0: mentioned butts there. So that's the, uh, like, right before where the targets are, there's kind of like a trench where people can change the targets and uh, mark them and that kind of thing?
3: Yeah, you gotcha. Most of the military target uh, ranges have a butt system, and it's basically uh, human-operated targets. So you're under concrete overhead protection kind of thing and uh it's very very safe and you just operate the targets from down there and the scoring gets done down there and everything and uh you rotate uh after you shoot you go into the butts and those guys come out and they do their shooting so yeah
0: it sounds safer than giving giving a kid a, an apple to put on their head or something, right?
3: <laughs> well, yeah, a little bit, a little bit safer, than not for sure. Uh, yeah, I
1: don't think I'll ever be able to get anybody to hold an Ipsik target for me while I'm running a stage. <laughs> no, no,
3: not a lot of butts in an Ipsik match, I don't think.
1: No. So, um, well, are fat you in butts the Ipsik match? But it all depends who shows
0: Well, Well,
3: yeah, it's a whole different story, isn't it? It is. Yeah.
1: Are you in current military
0: service right now? I am. So Still. when you go to these matches, do you use uh, your your military firearm then?
3: Well, if I decide I want to shoot in the military category, uh, then I do, which I have a lot of times in the past. Probably out of those provincial wins that I've had, I, I bet you probably 13 of them were with a C7 um, and issue ammo. But um, I'm kind of to the point now where I want to challenge some records and, and try and make a bit more of a mark. So I've switched over to shooting in the open category with my own civvy rifle uh, and my own ammo Um, because it's, it's pretty hard. It's not to say that it can't be done, but it's pretty hard to uh, shoot the same scores with an army rifle and an L can as you are with a a match rifle with a little bit higher power scope and some 77 grain match Kings. Hmm.
0: So for the open category, what's, what's your rake? Like what's your rifle optics and even what kind of bullets are you shooting?
3: Uh, mine is uh, nothing special. It's um, it's just an Armalite lower with a Geissele trigger in it. Um, I've got a Krieger uh, what is it, 19 uh, inch barrel on it, um, a muzzle brake, and then I run a uh, Vortex four to sixteen by 44 scope on top. Mm. So it gives me, gives me a little bit of uh, zoom power when we get out to four and five hundred. And uh, then as far as bullets go, I just run uh, 77 Match Kings over top of uh, 24.5 grains of varget, and it uh,
1: works great. Now, those 77s, um, obviously you're able to load them to uh, magazine length. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yes,
3: 77 is kind of the longest, the heaviest bullet you can load at magazine length. The 80s just don't quite fit. Okay. The uh, case neck starts to come into the ogive, and they end up getting pushed back into the case. Gotcha. Now, what about MAG capacity in both
1: civilian and military divisions?
3: Uh, Military, if you're shooting military, um, well, it depends on the match you're shooting. If you're shooting the Army matches, uh, like Capsack, then uh, there's no limit as far as magazine capacity goes. It's only, it's 30 rounds. And that would not be open to civilians? No, that one is not open to civilians. It's strictly military. It's the match that they issue the Queen's Medal at, so no cities are allowed to shoot in that. Although the RCMP... Uh, can shoot alongside us in that one if they desire. Oh, cool. As far as civvies go, uh, on the civvy side matches, the NSCC, uh, magazines are limited to five rounds, and it doesn't matter. You can run LAR mags or you can run B.O. Wolf mags or whatever you want to run as long as they're only limited to five rounds um, because they want you to, to force you to change mags within the time limit that they're giving. Right. Yep. So there's never any anything more than five rounds in a mag. Hmm.
0: And uh, how would you <laughs> even get into this sport?
3: Um, well, I've always been interested in shooting. My dad was a colonel way back in the day for the regiment that I currently serve in, and uh, he started us, me and my brother shooting at a pretty early age, and so I always had a passion for it, and then I figured I'd join the Army, and uh, actually the year before I joined the Army, I got invited uh, by some of the Army guys to go and shoot a service rifle match. So I did, and they were shooting C7s, and I was shooting something else. And uh, I was immediately hooked, so next year I joined, and then uh, I've just been having at it ever since. It's worked out pretty good, actually. So, Ryan, uh,
1: you know, when we asked this question when we had Remy Duceit on, who's a national-level IPSC shooter, what makes you so good? What, do you, what did you do to become such a a winning service conditions competitor?
3: Well that's a pretty good question. I, I was, uh, who was I talking to the other day? I was, I was posting on something on Facebook and Linda Miller was there and she was talking about all the different things that you need to be a good service rifle shooter. And, and, uh, she's been my coach before. And I think the one thing that she sort of ingrained into me was that in order to be good at what we do, you need to be extremely subconscious. And so honestly, I, I don't think I'm probably that much of a better shooter than most of the guys that are at that sort of top level, but I'm pretty sure I'm a lot more subconscious than a lot of them. So, Well, well now <laughs> when, you,
1: when you say subconscious, you've heard the episodes that uh, Brian and I have done on mental training, and I've heard yeah. you talk to certain aspects of mental training as well, and it seems like yeah. we've read some of the same materials.
3: Yeah, for sure. I think we're, we're definitely on the same page as far as uh, the mental training goes, and, and I think really a strong mental game – and being more subconscious is really probably the one thing that's gotten me as far as I've come so far. So what part of your um,
1: skill set, shooting fundamentals, would you say is the most important to develop uh, subconsciously?
3: Well, you got to practice, obviously. Um, you're not going to be very subconscious if you're just uh, you know picking up the rifle a couple times a year. Um, for me, I try and practice at least once a week if I can. Um, there's... You know, a lot of times when there's not as much work going on, I get to practice two or three times a week. Uh, So that helps me become more subconscious in the long run. So I think, yeah, the practice tool is definitely where it's at as far as becoming a better mental marksman.
1: (laughs) So is it um, aiming that you perform subconsciously or is it trigger press that you perform subconsciously?
3: yeah, it's a it's shot release really. That's the subconscious part for me. Really, the only the only way I train is to is to make it so that when my eye sees the correct sight picture, the gun fires. Uh, that's what and, I'm talking about right there. Yeah, yeah. and i don't want to I don't want to think about having to pull the trigger or anything. All I want to see is the correct sight picture. And when I see the correct sight picture, that gun has to fire now. Uh, because in service rifle, we shoot such fleeting, moving uh, targets that. When the sight picture is correct, the gun's got to fire instantly. Yep.
1: So you're consciously aiming and subconsciously executing the shot.
3: Yeah, exactly. Everything about the actual pressing of the trigger and the the shot release has got to be subconscious. The aim is where your focus has to be. Yep. Um, and that's that's pretty much how she goes. Hmm. That's the exact opposite of archery. <laughs> uh, is that right? Yeah. In <laughs> archery,
1: you let your subconscious aim. You let. I mean, you're just looking in archery when you're aiming. Aiming is looking. You're lining things up in a sight picture, and the um, you know the movement of the sights in relationship to your target. That's your sight picture, and your mm-hmm. subconscious wants to keep it in the middle. So you let the subconscious keep it in the middle, and you consciously yeah. concentrate on pulling through the shot. If you try and correct a sloppy sight picture, you end up overcorrecting because your subconscious has already started to correct it for you. Yep. So.
3: <laughs> well, I think I think there may be some validity to that as well. I mean. When I say you're consciously aiming, it's not like you're you know
1: it's not voodoo, you know you're, no. you're, you're, you're there's no, there's no miracle to aiming you're you're looking and lining things up.
3: yeah, exactly. and you're not really trying to consciously make it any better. I think you're just looking for that that correct sight picture more than anything.
1: Yeah, and this correct sight picture for what you feel is correct may be different for somebody else. Oh yeah, it, absolutely. you know where the sight is on the target, the amount of movement. The amount of float of the sight in relationship to the target, all of that's going to be different based on a person's comfort level and skill set.
3: Yep, absolutely. And for me, the you know I like to think of uh, releasing the shot really as the the only job I have is to make that shot break when the sight picture is correct. That's really the only thing I have to worry about. The rest of it is all you know doesn't doesn't really matter too much. It's already ingrained subconsciously into me. So my only job when I'm shooting is to actually break the shot when the sight picture is correct. So whether I'm I'm consciously focusing on the sight picture, well, I guess I I guess I am consciously focusing on that, but everything else is really subconscious. Mm-hmm. I'm not uh, I'm not trying to correct the sight picture either. Maybe that might be a, a little bit different as well. I'm this whole aim small, hold small, hold small, aim small or miss small or whatever it was. Aim small, miss small. Aim small, miss small. Well, for me, that's kind of kind of bad. That saying because I'm already talking about missing when I shouldn't be talking about missing. I shouldn't be thinking about that. So for me, I don't I don't try and correct the sight picture. All I do is I let the gun float, and when the sight picture's right, the crosshair or the pick or whatever floats across the bull, I let the shot go, and that's how fast it has to be. So,
1: question on coaching, Ryan. You said that yeah. um, you have or, or had worked with a coach at one time. Uh, Is there actually, is service conditions recognized by the National Coaching Certification Program? And is there a, like, you know, you've got Hockey Canada, that's the national sport organization, and then Hockey BC, that's the provincial sport organization, and they train and certify coaches. Does service conditions have these programs where they actually receive government dollars to train and certify coaches?
3: Uh, No. Okay. As far as I know, the, uh, the coaches that I've had, Previously, have been. I, I think they've had uh, coaching certifications, but whether that's actually specific to shooting or not is another question. I don't think it is, and it's definitely not specific to uh, service, um, service rifle shooting. No, oh. the, the good coaches you find in service rifle are guys that or girls that have generally been there before and done it and uh, done well at it, so they know what how they need to train people to get to that sort of level. Uh, Keith Cunningham and Linda Miller are you know, perfect examples uh, Dave Oakey would be another awesome example two times Queen's medalist so. mm-hmm.
2: Can I ask a question about you said that one of your coaches was female and you said that uh, what's the percentage of female that are doing service in, conditions
3: In service conditions, well it's pretty low but I'll be honest with you, the the female shooters we do have are outstanding like we have uh, Chelsea, Chelsea Rogel uh Tatiana Danilishin, who did very well in Bisley last year. I saw um, that she
2: won that, didn't she? Well yep. she didn't she didn't win it. She did, but she couldn't actually get the medal, right?
3: Yeah, she came in first, she beat the British Queen's medalist, which is which is a pretty good feat. Right. Um by anybody's standards. Mind you, it was the British uh reserve Queen's medalist. It wasn't the, the regular force queen's medalist. So there is a little bit of difference in skill there. But uh still to be able to do it is fantastic. So um we have we have lots of good female shooters uh, that come out, but, but the the percentage overall is is still quite low. But it's getting better, slow but sure.
0: Okay. How how do people get started on service rifle? I'd imagine you've seen a lot of newbies who are who are pretty pretty rank at uh, at, at when they first start. But how do they uh, how do you get into it, and how do you get a good start into service rifle?
3: Well, the best thing to do is to come out to your provincial uh, service rifle matches if they have them, um, and then. The best, the, the best way I've found to become better is to sort of attach yourself onto one of the better shooters and just find out, hey, what the heck are you doing that you're able to shoot these scores that I'm not doing? Is it a, partly equipment or is it uh, the bullets I'm shooting or is it the, the mental game, which is usually what the, the thing is? Um, and then, you know, take what they tell you and, and try and improve on it, you know, try and feed it into your system.
0: Hmm. Learn it all. Yeah, that's interesting. Are there any, uh, so you mentioned your rifle and your bullets. Are there any kind of like nice-to-haves that you that you have to take out to all your matches that, uh, that you really couldn't live without?
3: Mm, not really, no. I mean, you know, as long as you have a rifle that has a bit of magnification, um, you have your magazines, you have uh, a way to carry your mags, then you're, you know, you're pretty good to go. There's, nice. It's not really, it doesn't have to be very fancy. I've seen guys out shooting service rifles with an SKS and stripper clips. Now, mind you, they're not putting up world-class scores or anything, but they're out there banging away and having a good time. And Were they uh, asked to leave? No. No, <laughs> they were no, Why not? It's not my we kind have, of sport. We have, we have a guy in BC that shoots his 858 uh, with a red dot on it. And, uh, like, at 500 meters, he's making, you know, 44 out of 50 huh. with a red dot and an 858 and sh- shooting crappy ammo. So, you know.
1: It's, it's pretty fun to watch. It must be the trigger because we know they're. I mean, they're pretty much on par with the Geisley.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is is
0: there a trigger pull weight limit that you have to uh, abide by?
3: There uh, is. I believe it's five and a half pounds at the national matches. Yeah. Um, and it's supposed to be that at provincial, but nobody really weighs it uh, mm-hmm. at provincial matches. And to be honest with you, having a super light trigger is probably going to be more detrimental than it is going to be. Uh, good for you, anyways. Yeah, it may help you in the deliberate matches, but uh, in the matches where you're shooting positionally or it's a snap shoot, uh, the last thing you want is a super light trigger that breaks when you don't want it to break and you, you know, you haven't even got the gun on the target. So you you want the the gun or the trigger to be relatively crisp. It doesn't have to be super light, but you want it to break when you want it to break. Which Guisli are you running? Oh geez, I don't know. I think it's the. Uh Super semi I think it's the service rifle one. It's a two stage. Yeah, super semi auto. Yeah, that could be it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's good. It's great. But there's a lot of good triggers out there right now. But I do like the two stage because it it's got a fairly soft pull in the beginning and and then it as soon as it tightens up, then I know it's gonna break, you know, instantly, basically. So it's it's predictable, which is kind of the important thing.
1: And they they tout the two stage Geisley triggers as precision triggers. You know, I've got a um single stage jp industries trigger that is like three pounds in my three gun rifle but i wouldn't uh shoot a service match with it i'd go to the two-stage guiseley as well so that you could prep it
3: yeah yeah that's I, I don't think i'd want it any lighter than about yeah five pounds uh mm-hmm. minimum our our military issue triggers go anywhere from five pounds to probably 11 and a half pounds i would imagine um (laughs) so when you kind of when you kind of start shooting those when you go to a a Geisley or something nice like that it's like holy crap this is pretty amazing Mm -hmm. so it's a nice change yeah but it's not to be said that it can't be done with a with a crappy trigger there's ways of kind of mitigating a crappy trigger so cool
0: uh trevor or kelly do you guys have any questions
1: No, that was excellent. I actually feel like for the first time I learned something about service conditions. Like, I understand it now. I think I could go to a match and not actually have to ask too many questions. Like, I'm
3: comfortable enough to show up now and I could get it done. Yeah, it should come out. It's it's a lot of fun. I always tell people it's pretty addicting. Uh, Once you're shooting moving targets and targets that pop up, snap targets and rapid fire and all this from different positions, um, yeah, it's, you know, if you're looking to improve your shooting – Whatever type of shooting that is, this is probably one of the better ways to do it.
1: Well, you called it dynamic and I don't think I've ever heard it called that before. No.
3: Nope. Well, there's and, running,
1: you know. As soon as it, mm-hmm. but as soon as as a sport you discriminate against SKSs and their owners, I'm in. Until then, I will <laughs> probably just sit back and
3: Let me be clear. I wasn't discriminating against SKSs.
1: Uh, Let me be clear, I want them see. to. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, you could no, still bring BC, your M1. We want all the shooters to come. Even the ones with SKSs.
1: So wow. wow. I, yeah. I do not want to subscribe to your newsletter. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we see them in CQB pretty often, and they do pretty well. Mind you, you're only shooting at 35 yards, but yeah, yeah it works. Yeah. Whatever works. Bring them up. Yeah. We want more people shooting, not less.
1: Absolutely. No, no. I mean, this is it. It's got to be inclusive. I mean, uh, he starts with an SKS one year, and then he's got the $2,000 Colt the next. Who knows, right? Next. Yeah. Exactly.
3: That's and that's generally what happens when they find out that their rifle that they started out with isn't competitive or you know it's not accurate enough for what they feel they should be doing then they step up to the next one and away yeah. they go.
1: Or you know? or they stay with it and they're happy doing what they're doing as long as they're getting out and getting some exercise and participating and Yeah. Yeah.
2: For
3: sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah not I mean, everybody has to be the, you know, the big kahuna. The, if some people just want to come out and bang away and have fun and chit chat with their buddies and run around a little bit and you know Call it a day.
1: Exactly. Same thing applies in IPSC and archery. I mean, there's the competitive shooters and recreational weekend warriors.
3: Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: Well, I you think uh, between the different kinds of competition out there, this is one of the more approachable ones because you could get in. You can you can shoot it with an SKS, but you're you're you know you're going to have tr- troubles with some of the uh, some of the strings. Whereas you could buy an, uh, a NORC AR, uh, a Nork AR, a one to four scope, and be flying with that uh yeah. pretty quickly right absolutely
3: yeah you'd be you'd be super competitive the norincos actually shoot pretty good for what they are and the cost mm-hmm. the they shoot ars yeah yeah
0: yeah they're yep. reliable i've i see them all the time at the range and they're they're never I the ones bet. having problems the sks is yeah but uh the NORK ars are simple easy
1: yeah yeah i mean uh, uh, and Mar marstar is selling them for under 600 bucks and they come with ambi control yeah, I yep. mean, where else are you going to get that for yeah, $5.99 or yeah, whatever? Chrome line Barrel, Ambi Controls, and it's under 600 bucks.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: Go throw okay. Ambi Controls on your air tomorrow and then write the show and tell me what it costs you.
3: Yeah, no kidding.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what about cha- you got chaired in? Is it called chaired in?
3: Yeah, you get chaired off the range. Yeah, it's that's so it.
1: Carried like <laughs> a Viking king. Yeah, yeah how many, how like how that, many
2: yeah. times has that happened?
3: Uh, Well, at Nationals, it's happened three times. Uh, I won the army side once. Um well actually that year they forgot to chair me off. So,
2: okay.
3: <laughs> I walked off behind the guy on the chair, which I think was Keith at that point. And then the last two years, uh 2014, 2015 I got chaired off. I'd be I'd be yelling,
1: "Where's my chair?" I'm not walk. Guys, get back here. No, 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 no. I don't walk off this field. I'm victorious. Y'all be carrying my butt off.
2: I'm national yeah. champion.
3: Yeah. No. I wasn't too worried about it, so whatever. All yeah, the focus but, is on Keith because he shot a pretty wicked match, so that's you're fine. Ni- you're nicer than I am. We've
1: established <laughs> that over the SKS hate, so <laughs> no, I'd be yelling for my chair.
3: Yeah, well, it's funny. The next year, uh, a shooter named Dave Atkins won, and they forgot the chair as well, so they carried him off on a stretcher. <laughs> so at I've least been carried off fields stretch. on a stretcher as well. Yeah, I've never been carried win. off a shooting range on a stretcher, which is probably a good thing. But yeah. yeah, it was—it was pretty amusing to see Dave sitting up there, and you know, the guys that carry it kind of almost try and throw you out. Of course they they're do. Doing their hip hip hooray kind of thing, and so at least on the chair you can sort of lock your feet around the <laughs> rungs at the bottom. But on a stretcher, holy crap, they just about turfed them onto the onto the pavement a couple of times.
0: First place but, winner problems.
3: Yeah. Well, it, is, it it was the it was the army winner, so it's you know, it's a little uh-huh. bit different. Army guys are like, "Oh, stretcher. All right, cool. That's cool. Whatever works." Awesome. Yeah.
0: Any other questions, guys?
2: I don't have anything else. No, I'm good. Yeah. all
0: right well Ryan I, I really wanted to thank you for coming on and talk to talking to us uh, about service rifle it's uh it's something that I think is again a really approachable sport and I think more people need to be into it so uh, I really wanted to uh, thank you again for coming on because you're uh, you've you've hit that high level and it's it's always interesting to talk to people and, and find out how they got there so thank you very much for coming on
3: hey no problem thank you for having me and anybody out there that wants to try service rifle I say just Take what you got and go shoot it. It's addicting. You're probably going to end up spending a lot more money on other guns later on. But uh, it's the most fun you can have with your clothes on, basically. (laughs) Awesome. Okay, thanks, Ryan. (laughs) All right.
0: Take it easy. I just wanted to thank Ryan again for coming on the show. That was
1: uh, really informative. It certainly was. I'm, I'm glad I reached out to him. Uh, to have him come on because I'm getting out of Ipsick and I couldn't figure out what which way to go. I was thinking precision, but I still like the run and gun a little bit. So he's got me convinced. I'm looking forward to this summer to jumping into uh, some service condition matches around here. And man, did he ever did he ever have a lot of good advice to offer? Even like, unfortunately, it didn't all make it into the show. But Kelly, what was it he was talking to you about?
2: Well, beforehand we were talking about it. Well, you got you and Adrian were talking and. The biggest tip he said was if the, you see goose poop on the, the on the mound there when you're running down, he said, just kick it out of the way and get down to your shooting. And he said, that's actually what the difference between first place and second place is. So you just have to kick that poop out of the way. I'd say something else, but you'd have to bleep it. All
1: right. Okay. So if you're <laughs> smart enough to kick it out of the way and not land your face into it, you win?
2: Yeah, exactly. No face plants. Oh, yeah, awesome. You know, and, and you don't end up smelling like goose poop. Like exactly.
1: Service conditions is such an interesting topic and, and I, it's too bad that we never had a show that was kind of like dedicated to it because we could have learned a lot about it, you know, before today. But it, it is what it is. You know,
2: hey, I learned a lot today. Me too. I yeah. even learned what a Thai root is. A
1: Thai root? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you did learn what a Thai root is. <laughs> oh, I can't imagine why anyone would ever take an issue with you being on the show, but <laughs> whatever.
2: <laughs> oh no. I'm just, I'm
1: sure that's not it. Don't worry about it.
0: All right, let's jump into some listener feedback. I'll take this first one here. This one's from Brian with a Y. Uh, hey all Kelly, you are brilliant or at least think like me, which that's could scary. mean you are not brilliant at all. Aww. I too have been working on grip strength while driving it's so darn hard to find the time otherwise, eh? Keep it up, birthday girl. Aww. Trevor, you blame me for your current Milser prediction, which is actually about 25% correct. I do think you owe it to yourself to seek out and purchase a Swedish Mauser in 6.5x55. Classic soft shooting round known for long-range accuracy. Also, with two Lee Enfields now, you should have a Mauser action for comparison. Plus, hey, I like encouraging you to spend money. Cheers. Brian Bolivar, co-host on Modern Rifleman Radio. P.S. Trevor, how has that donair Ken
1: and I subliminally caused you to buy? Okay. So I got a couple of things to address here. Don't <laughs> let me forget the donair. All right. He's twenty. He's taking 25% of the responsibility for me getting into Milserps. There's an interesting story here that involves a lot of nice people, me not being one of them, that I should share with the listeners. So, Filthy, everybody loves Filthy. I've never met anyone who doesn't think the big, burly guy in the Star Wars helmet isn't awesome. I mean, what's what's there to be afraid of? Big, burly-looking dude wearing a helmet. I mean, you know, he's very approachable. He's wearing a Star Wars helmet. Everybody knows how popular and lovable stormtroopers are. Anyway, Filthy had an air, and he needed a set of sights for it. He's like, eh, you know, Filthy's not—he's very much the opposite of me, where I'm impulsive, and I— speak without thinking and I buy without having the money and you know what filthy takes his time and he's deliberate. He's got an air and needs some sites. Well, Brian's got um, a set of sites for sale and it's Christmas time. So I'm like, Brian, uh, can you do me a favor? Will you please ship those sites to filthy? Tell them they're a gift anonymously. Please don't tell them who they're from. Just I will, I'll be his secret Santa, send them the sites and I'll pay for them after Christmas. So Brian, the enabler that he is, is like, sure, no problem. I'll do that for you. So Brian sends Filthy to Sites. I pay Brian for the Sites after Christmas. I go to visit Filthy. Filthy is able to put two and two together, Figures out we, we don't do Christmas gifts like we're men. We don't comment on each other's deodorant and we don't give each other Christmas presents because men. So I get to his place and he hands me a gift bag. And inside the gift bag is what? A receiver for an M1 Grand. Well, how am I not going to build it now? You know, one of your shooting buddies gives you a receiver for one of the most popular Milserp rifles of all time. You have to build it. So I build it. And then all of a sudden, while researching the Grand, I pick up a little bit of information here, a little bit of information there on other Milserps. Next thing you know, I've developed an appreciation for Milserps. So I think it's actually more than 25% Bolivar's fault. I think it's 100% Bolivar's fault. If Bolivar had not fronted me the sights, I wouldn't have given them the filthy Filthy wouldn't have felt obligated to reciprocate. Wouldn't have given me the receiver, and I wouldn't have built my first millserp, and we wouldn't be where we are today. So, th- can we all agree it's Brian's fault? Sure. All right. Well, I mean, Sweet- <laughs> it's, it's addictive
0: that the you know those old millserps are, are look, a little bit more reliable than twenty uh, elevens and, and that kind of thing, right?
1: Well, it, you know, since the 2011 is based on a nineteen eleven, there's a lot of things out there that are more reliable. Mm-hmm. Swedish Mauser in six point five by fifty five? No, wrong again, Brian. I want something that is uh, accessible. Eight mil Mauser. Yeah. If I get a Mauser, it will be an eight mil Mauser. I'll tell you why, because I've seen that on the shelf in stores. I've never seen 6.5 by 55 in the stores, and I'm not ready to get set up for another caliber right now. So. Oh, it's, it's out there.
0: You'll, you'll, you'll find 6.5 Swede. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm. The um, Donair story. So I'm trying mm. to listen to Modern Rifleman Radio, and they spent 15 minutes talking about food and Donairs. When? <laughs> On my drive home, after work, when I'm hungry, straight to the donair storage river, went <coughs> Because what the hell? Everybody needs to have at least one heart attack, right? So, mm. anyway, it was delicious.
2: Do they have poutine donairs down there now?
1: They do. Um, mm. First poutine donair I had was a uh, friend of the show, TD from Halifax, brought me into a poutine palace place. They make, like, I don't know, like, 75 different flavors of poutines and First one I had was a donair poutine, and you know what? I didn't like it. Really? No, I didn't like the donair sauce mixed in with the French fries. Mm-hmm. I'm on to this new thing now that I had yesterday called the kitchen sink. There's a, a little cafe around the corner here, and they have 17 different types of poutines, and they have one called the kitchen sink, and it's hamburger, chicken, fried clams. <laughs> of yeah, of course the cheese, the gravy, and onion rings yep. on top.
2: Oh, have you ever done?
1: Oh, and bacon. Of- Sorry, bacon. Chicken, bacon, chicken, bacon, hamburger fried clams and onion rings.
2: Okay. You can't tell Adria- Adriel's trying to go vegetarian here. Like
1: Yeah. That's Adriel's problem.
2: <laughs> you got bacon, clams, chicken. I, don't,
1: I don't beans. know All, soy. Yeah. So- soy. Yep. Soy. There's soy yeah. cheese. I've never seen udders on a soybean. So you want to explain to me how you get milk out of it? <laughs> anyway. All right. Somebody get Jim. Jim, Jim, Jim Jim's email. We got it. <laughs> Kelly, do you want to take Jim's? Oh, you know okay. what's ironic? I was going to drink beer tonight during the show, and clearly I do sound intoxicated. However, unfortunately, I'm not. I left the beer downstairs. I haven't had a drop. When <sighs> oh. I have it, I'm not even drinking it.
0: Mm. <sighs> I'm okay. having a, a Soylent. They're like a, a white container. They've got like this soy stuff in them.
1: Do me a favor after the show. I want you to get a hold of your wife's purse and look inside, see <laughs> if you can find your testicles.
2: <laughs> oh, okay.
1: Kelly, do you want to take Jim? So
2: this is from Jim. Freezing.
1: <laughs> <Phrasing. laughs>
2: Greetings, folks, and Foket. Um, <laughs> that could be my new Fouquet. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, just bis- Foket.
1: <laughs> Sorry, the French accent. Sounds like something else. <laughs> okay.
2: Business first, I suppose. What is going on with your show? How many Jameses do you have listening now? is there some subliminal James Slamfire gang I'm not aware of? Is it a Canadian Canadian thing only? I listen and swear every email and comment is made from James and he laughs.
1: That's funny. I, sorry.
2: There's there Well, there has been a lot of James.
1: We got a we got another one from a different James today. He sent that picture of Dory. Yeah. From Nemo.
2: And he goes, "Oh, look again." Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like my dog every t- I feel like my dog, every time food or any word rhyming with it has said, who, what, where? <laughs> okay. So, pleasure time. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> you should be reading. So, CCL time. So, can you explain what CCL time is, Trevor? Uh, Anybody know what CCL time is? Sub see
1: for uh, those. Concealed carry. Mm. Pleasure time, uh. so CCL time. Hmm. I've tried many pistols. Uh, CCL. I don't I've, know if it's some kind of...
2: Concealed carry. No. That's, uh, mm.
1: CCW is concealed carry, conceal weapons, carry weapons permit.
2: Yeah. Mm. So let's read it. Anyways. All right. I've tried many pistols, some sub-C, which I'm assuming is sub yeah. mm-hmm. Uh to full-size trouser draggers. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: <Some> trouser draggers.
2: <laughs> Finally settled on a um comfortable. Never mind. (laughs) Finally settled on a comfortable hand and weight choice by running into new, but running into new issues. My issue is body type. A six foot six broomstick inevitably, whichever side I carry, my pants seem to have issues with gravity. I can't stand ankle carry, and I so it is carry. <laughs> yeah. And I cannot have anything dangling <laughs> <laughs> due to safety restrictions at work. So side saddles are out. Maybe I need a better belt. Perhaps a different type of holster. My pistol of choice is the SR9. So, if any of my fellow, so if any fellow boards out there, I'm not.
1: He's boarding. a board. He's skinny. He's skinny. He's like a board.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. I got that now. So if. So if any fellow boards out there solve this issue, I'm all ears. I don't know. It's, it is weird to get one cheek
1: implant. Is it weird to get one cheek implant?
2: implant? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Please enter reason for surgery, CCL Fitment.
1: Uh, let's stop here for a second before we move on and get serious about his email because it is a legitimate concern. You know, body types affect Carry options, no question. Uh, comes to belt now, Jim. I don't know what you're using for a belt, but I know that my preferred carry belt—not that I get to carry, but I use it on the range—and I used it when I was in Utah—is the uh, Python Gun Belt from Concealment Solutions. What makes this belt awesome? It's—it's it's, you know a solid inch and a half. It's not too too narrow, but it also has Kydex sandwiched between two pieces of leather, so it's incredibly stiff. It um, offers lots of support. Try that with a a, a python. Uh, no, Sorry, the gun belt is called the python. Try that with a uh, black mamba inside the waistband uh, holster and wear it at the four o'clock position, kind of just behind, not on your side, but just around the back. So it's kind of hanging right above one of, where one of your cheek implants would go. And um, then just dress baggy, you know, Try a pant size, maybe one size larger, and a loose-fitting shirt over top. If you bend, don't bend over, bend down. Right, keep your back straight and bend with your knees. Don't bend at the waist because you'll definitely print. Um, but maybe printing's not an issue. I mean, if carry at work is allowed and you've got the license, uh, I don't get too worried about printing. But anyway, Python gun belt, concealment solutions, and a black mamba. Look, at, look at those. There you go. Next.
2: Okay. So he says, Glad you've enjoyed your gold stars. I don't pass them out often, mostly because I forgot the code to the safe they're kept in. Today I give you th- two thumbs up sideways because when you hold them sideways, it's a kill shot. That's right. <laughs> Hope this mail made sense, some sense. Uh, between iPhone autocorrect and small buttons, you get what you get, I guess. And then he said, Thanks for the great show, all. Best regards, Jim. Formerly James, formerly Jim, formerly. Prince. And I'm so sorry James Jim Prince for screwing up your email. <laughs> but thank you.
0: Uh Trevor, do you want to take the next one?
1: Uh no, you can get the next one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this one's funny though. All right. This one comes to us from the New Brunswick Killbilly who uh was kind enough to donate a headset to me to improve my audio quality and it's actually a headset I'm wearing tonight so you can thank uh, New Brunswick Hillbilly for these dulcet, sultry tones
2: Does it have a a mute button on it? (laughs) 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 Sorry
1: Story for another day So, New Brunswick Hillbilly says Hey boys and girls, you guys can fight over who's who Uh Still my favorite podcast by a mile Thanks for many hours of entertainment Smyrna Appleseed Sounds cool did we talk about in apple say, Oh, uh, Spencer the Whale. Um, some light reading for a chuckle. He gives us a link to a gun blog. Number one, jiggle gun safe handles. And when employee asks, uh, would you want to see inside, say, no, it's horribly misleading. And we promise we're not hiding twenty-two ammo inside.
0: These are, these are the top 10 things not to do in a gun store.
1: Oh, Yes, thank you, Adriel. <laughs> now this list of 10 items makes sense. <laughs> and I probably should have started at number 10. Anyway, there was actually only five here. All right, but I, I was just, just going
2: to say there's I just five. copied
1: five. All right, so number five. So these are the top 10 things you don't do in a gun store. Number five, make blanket statements like, oh, I know you don't have this, but you have, let's stop you right there. You know my inventory before you come into my store. You have superpowers. What should you be doing? (laughs) What you should be doing is buying a lottery ticket. Yeah, so that guy that goes in the store and says, I know you don't have this, but do you have? Mm. Yeah, don't be that guy. Stand by the MSR slash AR section of the gun counter and ask, can I see the black one? (laughs) (laughs) Although we appreciate the politeness and innocence in your question, we need a little more to go off of. They're all black. Throw me a bone here. Number three. While handling a handgun, point it sideways. The moment you turn a pistol from vertical to horizontal position, every employee and customer in the room will lose respect for you. It's not a kill shot, and it will not curve the bullet around corners. You look like you play far too many video games. Number two, open boxes of ammo that are glued or taped shut. If a box of ammo says .30-06 Springfield, there's usually .30-06 ammo inside. Not a Tootsie Roll. Although I personally would not be disappointed if Candy was inside. And the number one thing to do at a gun store, the number one thing to not do at a gun store, jiggle gun safe handles. And when an employee asks, would you want to see inside, say no. It's horribly misleading, and we promise we're not hiding uh, 22 ammo in there. So,
3: There
1: you go. Uh, once again, quality content from New Brunswick Kill Billy, horribly butchered by Trevor. And that's why <laughs> I didn't want to read it, but... Well, so technically, he'll hillbilly, I blame Adriel for that one. I'll you could have give me. See, when Matthew was on the show, he would give me this one because it's four <laughs> sentences. I don't know. Oh you've got to hang me out to dry. I had to. read Oh that well, he was
0: he was mentioning something to me, so I thought I would read it. Fine, and it's short. That and that that was that was an important part too. Yeah. From Renee, hi guys. I've been a listener since CRR days. I just wanted to let Adriel know about C Tom's. That's C T O M S. They're in Edmonton. Uh, they have a top-of-the-line med kit stuff. They have online training and in-person training. They can set you up with a good range bag and two thumbs up. Great job, guys and gal. Yeah, I've actually uh, been over to see Tom's. It just, I, it's been so long that it hasn't occurred to me that I should totally get my medical
1: kit from those guys.
2: Huh? I checked them out too when I – yeah. I, miss, I was just saying I checked them out.
1: <laughs> That's
2: kind of Oh, prices, my goodness.
1: What kind of prices are we talking about for some kind of ready-to-roll med kit? quality you know you're talking 120 bucks 60 bucks i have no idea all right so i know so. they have good stuff like when i was there last time they were showing me all their
0: yes. uh, really cool things that they
1: had mm. and it looked all cool i did not ask prices yeah last week's show was amazing um you know brian and and uh jason who i think wants to be dead but again story for another day <laughs> and and kowalski very well done
2: when I went on to their website, they had a, a variety of prices. Some stuff was up into even the three hundred, but there was stuff that was reasonable as well. So, cool, like thirty, forty bucks. So you can. There's a range. Hmm. Good stuff.
0: Here we go. Well, if you'd like yep. to uh, email the show and have your email butchered by myself, Trevor, or Kelly, Uh yeah, yeah, Kelly
1: can't read tonight either. <laughs> no,
2: I can't talk tonight.
0: Send your email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Uh, on the iTunes reviews side of things, I did check that just before the show here, and there are no new iTunes reviews. If you want to leave us an iTunes review, head on to iTunes on the Canadian or U.S. feed if you're in U.S., and uh, leave us a review there. And if it's funny, we'll probably read it on
1: the show. Even if it's not, we're going to read it anyway because we're egomaniacs like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it.
1: Yeah. Uh, Shoutouts. Uh, I have a couple here. One to you, Adriel. The um, Enfield stripper clips that you mailed and the match saver arrived and they're all awesome. I've been uh, practicing different ways of loading my Enfield with the stripper clips. Uh, I knew there was a trick to it so that you avoided rim lock. Mm -hmm. I watched three videos. I get three different answers. I think I'm actually loading them a non-conventional way where they're all stacked one in front of the other. Um, that seems to work the best as opposed to three up or two down or, or whatever. So the match saver, pretty ingenious, Adriel, I got to tell you. That's a quick and dirty way to pump out some match savers. Um, and the end on my Versamax is contoured perfectly to match the contour of the match saver. I've just got to take the handguard off drill a couple of screws, a couple of holes, countersink them and and get the appropriate hardware and I'm going to mount it that way. I'm not going to go with Velcro or anything like that. So
0: Well, I was I was going to say if if you want to test the location, use the Velcro first. Mm-hmm. Uh try the location out. Maybe even try it in a match because that Velcro, if you've got that uh, a really nice contour there, it might hold it, but you'll find that you may want to move it after a match. So I would play with play with it, play with the with the uh match saver and some velcro until you've found a, a place where it's going to stay and then drill a the hole that's totally the difference between you and me right there um <laughs> well no <laughs> i i did the thing that you said you were going to do i drilled the hole first i'm telling oh, you as someone who has okay. no, now learned from their mistakes, now <laughs> i will learn from your mistakes
1: okay so i was the guinea pig for the uh world's finest trimmer now you've been the guinea pig for yeah you might not want to screw that to your gun just yet just yet yeah Perfect. Okay. Um, Next shout-out goes to Luke Giroux. He spotted me a, well, sold me two pounds of H335 from his own stash because he wasn't able to find any in the stores. So uh, he's like, yeah, I'll hook you up. So he sold me his own personal powder. So that, (laughs) I don't sell nobody ammo and I don't sell nobody powder. So another reason why Luke is a better human being than I am. Um, To TD for the shelves and to Snuffleupagus for helping me put them up. They've increased my uh, bow shop and ammo production facility space in the basement greatly. And uh, now I can put all the gun club stuff that I have here on shelves. So that was pretty cool. And uh, Mike Dixon. Mike Dixon was formerly from uh, one of the, uh, well, podcasting in Canada, program podcasting in Canada was Mike Dixon's idea. And he started the show with uh, Chris Anderson. Um, And he left Canadian Reload Radio and I took his spot And every once in a while, I send him a Facebook message to see how he's doing and invite him on to the show to see if we could get him on just to give the listeners who've been listening that long a little update as to what Mike Dixon has been up to. But uh, an ongoing joke on the show was that Mike never did anything from week to week. And so uh, that's pretty much what his answer was. I haven't really done enough to come on and talk about. So just tell everybody I said hi and I'm doing well. So shout out to Mike Dixon. And to the birthday girl, Kelly. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. I'm glad that you spent your birthday with us. Yeah, I know you had a lot of plans. You probably were going to like dinner with friends or whatever or a movie. Wait, no.
2: Yeah, no. <laughs>
3: uh,
1: I'm just breaking, uh, being a, uh, a pain. I know that uh, you got your plans tomorrow night with Kevin. So Yeah. But yeah, happy birthday. It's not every day you turn 25.
2: No, that was a long time ago.
1: <laughs> I'm just trying to outdo Brian when I sent, first I said 35, and then I think Brian posted 25. By the time this is done, you're going to be back in the womb. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep getting younger with every birthday wish.
2: Yeah. And that was my shout-out. My shout-out is to you guys for allowing me to spend my birthday with you. So, thank you.
1: This time. Next year, I don't know.
2: Okay. And uh, to Brian as well for telling me I'm brilliant. And... <laughs> I don't know about that. And also I just wanted to give a shout out to both Terry and Wanda and say, I'm thinking of you both. So yeah.
1: And we should probably shout out Matthew. Uh, Thank him for all of his years of podcasting. I mean, he was in there. Oh geez. He was part of Canadian Reload Radio well before I think the first 50 episodes were out maybe. Mm -hmm. So he's been doing this a long time and, uh, helped a lot of people along the way. And it's just been a tremendous asset to Canadian program podcasting and, uh, since I've been, I, I, he got me into this game, and so uh, I'm definitely gonna, I'm, I'm gonna miss him for sure. Yeah, learned a lot from him.
2: Oh, so.
0: yeah, any I'm other shout-outs? Nope.
1: All right. Well, uh, please join one of our
0: or both of our national firearms associations, like the CCFR or the CSSA. It's important to support those who support us. Us. Uh, check us out on Gun Owners of Canada. We've got a forum there that uh, you can go to to comment on our shows. And like us on Facebook. We're at 1,404 likes. And uh, there's a lot of conversation that happens there as well. That's really good to get into. Uh, We have 93 thumbs up. And I think, as of today, two thumbs sideways. Two kill shots. Two kill shots. (laughs) That's the Glock thumb sideways, I think, if you've you've got them sideways like that. But uh, five gold stars and counting. And two flukes.
1: Uh, Any last words of uh, wisdom? Um, yeah, I think uh, uh, collectively as hosts, we should probably wish all our listeners a happy April Fool's Day. <laughs> <laughs> Most of what you heard tonight is not true. We'll leave it up to you <laughs> to, to distinguish fact from fiction. We hope you enjoyed our April Fool's Day special. Good night.
2: Yeah. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>